All right. Hello and welcome to Staying the Course, a podcast on navigating the challenges of part-time study. If you are new to the channel, do subscribe if you find this helpful. Our guest for today is I.R. Yazid Ismail, an engineer with over 16 years of experience in the energy sector. Hello, Yazid. How are you? Hello, Asrif. It's nice to be in your show. <laughs> Looking good, man. Looking good. Right. So in this episode, I'll be speaking to Yazid about his decision to undertake an MBA while he was growing his career as an engineer. So we are interested to understand his motivations and challenges, as well as how the experience has benefited him in his professional and personal growth. Briefly, Yazid holds an MBA from the University of Nottingham and a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from the University of New South Wales in Australia. Right. So, Yazid, if you're ready, are we okay to begin? I'm all yours, Astrid. <laughs> it's very, very simple. I only have three sets of questions uh, and we'll play by ear as we go. All right. Sure. First question is very, very simple, but I'm sure you have an enlightening answer for us. Tell us about yourself. So, as you probably know, I'm a mid-career professional working in Petronas in the oil and gas industry. Mm. I'm a father to three beautiful kids. And as a hobby, uh, I am also a Toastmaster, a diver, a serial entrepreneur. And among all those, what I treasure most is actually cutting the hair of my kids while we are in lockdown. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's that's basically the new skill I've learned in this past 20 right. months working from home and having shops closed and so forth and everything, right? Mm. And, uh, and and that, that will probably be something that, that would be quite... Uh, I'll come back to that later on as we speak, right? Mm. As Asrif has introduced, uh, I actually had my undergraduate uh, with University of New South Wales in Mechanical Engineering. Mm. Uh, a patronized scholar, but uh, as I pursued uh, in my career, uh, I actually decided to actually get myself an MBA and not just a specific general MBA, but an MBA in entrepreneurship. And as Astrid has mentioned, that university is University of Nottingham, Malaysia campus, right? Uh, today, I am a professional I still have my engineering uh, certification, but I am much broader than just an engineer. Mm. I've done uh, startups. I've gone to, I've done research. Mm. Uh, and currently, I'm actually looking in uh, digital transformation for organizations. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I've, I've cherished this time at home with the kid as well. So <laughs> As much as you've enjoyed uh, cutting the hair of your, of your children, you know, I've, I've really cherished the uh, time that I've had to go to the playground instead of being stuck in traffic, right? Yeah. In the afternoon. Lots and, of time saving there. <laughs> and Lots of productivity increase, right? Definitely. Definitely. You're more focused and then you're more balanced in a way. And uh, let's see how we can uh, move forward with that level of uh, balance. Yeah. And, and Yazid, as, as we go uh, into this conversation, I'm so keen to then understand how you have grown from an engineer to all the um, 
combination of 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 uh, uh, professions that you carry today. Yeah, is it? So I'm going to go to part two now, which is a oh. bit more than just about yourself, which is the journey that you've taken to where you are today. Right. So you you began as an inspection engineer, and then That's you right. have applications across many engineering. Um, uh, uh, disciplines, right? Uh, in the operations and maintenance of, of of a facility, so and in 2014, you decided to then undertake uh, the MBA uh, at at the Nottingham University Business School in the Malaysian campus, and then you you did a concentration on entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial studies. So it sounds like you've got the technical area covered, and then you went into the MBA. What was the motivation? Is it uh, that drove you to that decision? So, um, about 16 years ago, when I actually faced that interview session to actually get a job in Petronas, and they asked me, "What sort of work are you looking for?" and my quick answer was to actually get my hands dirty, and by that. Just go to hardcore engineering uh, fields and also in in plant environment and experience engineering in firsthand, right? And it was all fun and dandy for the past uh, for the last five four five years, right? But as I actually go through the routines of being an engineer, I realize that sometimes being engineer also means that you are very well as an expert in one particular area and you are well regarded towards that but in terms of 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 the bigger picture you may not be able to experience that and after i was in mlng for a malaysia lng senior berhad and after about four or five years of going through the same routine going in and going out mm. i felt that There is much more to to learn, much more to be exposed than just what I do as an inspection engineer, right? And this is where I actually look into like what else does the company have to offer? And I was just fortunate enough to actually be transferred to upstream, mm. uh, and in that point of time was uh, Petronas Charigali, uh, and 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 this was in KLCC, big office. It was something so different for me. My first five years of my career, I was wearing coveralls, getting my hands dirty, literally getting my hands dirty, going up to columns, exchanges, you know, ha- handling all these parts and so forth. But while I was in KLCC, it was superbly a different environment, and I felt alien at first in that sense, right? Yes, I was doing engineering. Yes, I was looking into technical uh, items, but. The amount of different interactions that I got while I was working in a headquarters environment got me to realize there's so many different things in the business world that a normal engineer would feel difficult to comprehend of, right? And and this actually made me felt that how can I understand this better? How can I marry my technical skills? And the the things that that are are actually happening in the business world 
so that I can be be a wholesome person, right? And I'm just not going to take uh, MBA just for the sake of it, right? It has to be something that I'm interested in. And I've always been interested in entrepreneurship. And that's probably one of the reasons why I chose Nottingham. I would, there, were, there was also other reasons as well. Right? Because there are not many universities in Malaysia that provides a entrepreneurship specialty for a master's degree in MBA, right? Mm. And... and I joined in the MBA not just for the fact for me to better my career, but mm. also about the transferable knowledge, mm. right? You see, engineering—it's a great uh, set of of things that you learn, but it's very difficult to have a transferable knowledge or know-how if you are a deep inside knowing how compressors work. You don't really go back to your home and start repairing your aircon compressors, right? And so on and everything. But an MBA is different, right? You learn about your financial skills. You learn about marketing. You learn about uh, interpersonal relationship. And these are actually transferable skills that not necessarily apply only to work and career, but also personal life. And for me, uh, having gone through the briefing with Nottingham and so forth, it was the right choice for me. And the other right choice for me for Nottingham, Malaysia, is because the campus that they have, they also have a satellite campus near Chulan Chulan Tower, which is actually just a throw throw away uh, from my workplace in KLCC. So that, that seals the deal, right? After work... Uh, you know, work finish. Uh, I just go walk or take a quick taxi to um, to the satellite campus, mm. and and there I get the full experience of being in a university, just a stone away, stone throw away from my workplace as well as my uh, home as well. Mm. Okay, so it sounds like y- you've you've had the opportunity of getting your hands dirty in the formative years of your. Uh, career but then right. you move from operations to corporate office and that sort of expose you to the many facets of uh, what makes a wholesome, exactly. wholesome leader and and I've also noticed that you have pivoted into many other segments of, of uh, other functions yeah um, from your from your adventure there now I would like to just backtrack again to the point when you decided on Nottingham right so this is 2017 there were some distance learning options there were some public university options there were some private university options as well um you mentioned briefly on the on the on the satellite campus earlier um just take us through the process of what options that you have at the time in terms of where you can do an mba and then again on the a decision to finally land on, on Nottingham, if you can share your experience. So, so the first option for, for me to take MBA is whether I want to do it part-time or full-time, mm. right? And that's probably the most important decision that any career, any professionals wants to take if they want to pursue the studies. Do you want to do it part-time or full-time, right? Part-time has the benefit of 
you having that career, having that career in hand, plus uh, being able to also continue your studies. But doing part-time also means that you have to be very excellent in time management. Yeah. Doing full-time, you can focus in just delivering what you need to deliver while you are studying. Mm. But in the same time, if you are not being sponsored by anyone, uh, it is something It is something that you have to consider in terms of how are you going to fund yourself or how are you going to survive without 12, month, 12 to 24 months of not having salary at hand, right? Exactly. And I don't want it to be, I don't want going for a further education profoundly impacted the quality of my life in terms of what I can and can't spend, right, in that sense. So for me at least, it was uh, it was decided early on. Yes, part time, part time seems to be a great answer. But as I actually made that decision or discovery of doing part time, I, I realized that there are some added benefits of doing MBA part time, right? And I'll 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 delve this a bit later on what sort of benefits on this one. Now, once you once you have actually discovered and once you actually have uh, decided that it has to be part-time, for example, the next decision you will probably look at is remote learning or you want to have classroom learn, learning, right? And for me, for me, uh, the decision was clear in that sense. Remote learning, you get more access to different universities and so forth and everything that's open universities. There are even universities in the UK and stuff like that. But for MBA, at least, what's meaningful about MBA is not just the theoretical aspect of things that you learn from the MBA. What makes an MBA very rich, very uh, have additional value is the discussions that are being put in place. And uh, this was back in 2017, right? And Harvard, uh, Harvard, um, what was things? The case studies are yeah. still are still being done in face to face. And at that point of time, the maturity of online discussions in a class was not there. So, so for me at least, it was it was a spot on decision to do a MBA in a live classroom environment, right? So. That, that actually cuts off the options. Now, let's talk about the universities that, that, that are available. Mm. There are different tiers of, of price and quality that are available in the market. And obviously, you know, the higher the quality in terms of ranking, branding, and so forth and everything, the, the more expensive the, the, the price for the scholarship would be, right? And at this point of time, there was this, uh, there was this grant uh, from, from uh, the Malaysian government for you to actually uh, extend your studies. You get to have about like ten thousand ringgit or something, and it has to only be, uh, it has to only be in universities that are being accredited by the, uh, by the board, right? By by the learning institution. There was this accreditation board. Yeah. And, and, and there are some universities that, that are quite well-known. Straklight uh, University is very well, uh, well, very well-known. Uh, and they offer classes in Malaysia as well, uh, live classes. But it was not accredited. And I did not choose for that one. Mm-hmm. Right? 
There are also different price points as well. And MBA can go as cheap as uh, there was. Now you can get MBA about 15,000 ringgit, 20,000 ringgit, right? Yeah. But then again, the I don't know the quality of, of that MBA uh, would be surface, right? And just like markets, right? If you if you have if you have very low fees, the kind of people who be joining in the class would ha- would have a different kind of standards, right? Yeah. And it would mostly be local. And I, I still want to have that exposure of different cultures, different thought process, different kinds of people. And 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 if it's a very localized MBA, it's not something that, that I'm looking forward for. I want to have value for money. I want to feel like I am in an international environment without actually going to an international environment. And this actually narrows me down to a couple of selection of universities, Nottingham, uh, there's this one Harriet Ward and, and so forth, right? And, and, and among those, I look for track records, right? Uh, there are universities like Bolongo and so forth that are being done, but they are just recently been, been coming in, right? And with Nottingham University, it has more than, uh, more than 11 years, 11, 12 years experience at that point of time of doing MBA. So there are many cohorts behind that. And, mm. and obviously the alumni is also very strong. And because of that, because of a competitive price structure, it's actually even cheaper than Stracklight. You can get the, the uh, scholarship from, or rather the, 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 save, the, the, the fees reduced from the government, yeah. plus a, a robust international, a different kind of, of uh, participants coming in and, and a good chunk of good lecturers being flown in from Nottingham themselves mm. made me choose Nottingham University as the university of choice for my MBA. And not to mention that MBA in entrepreneurship, not a lot of universities have that. Mm. So that, that, that is actually my thought process, part-time, right. full-time, mm. uh, you know, quality of universities and location as well as the estab- how established they are in the market. Mm. For MBA, most particularly important is the quality of students that are joining in because the subjects are going to be more or less the same, right? Yeah. It is the richness of that discussions. Mm changes things right that's it so if if we look into surveys that are ran with uh, applicants of mba programs you know why an mba uh, more often than not um, network is quite high in the ranking because the knowledge right. itself is widely available on the internet and so forth um, and, and when we say network, it goes into diversity of the classroom, the quality of conversations, the different perspectives that you get in the classroom. And I resonate with that experience. Um, during my MBA, I was from the energy sector, but you have people from logistics, hospitality, FNB, manufacturing, government even. So it's so colorful in the way that exactly uh, the conversations that take place, right? Now, you concentrated in entrepreneurship. Right, um, and you said earlier that not many universities offer an MBA with a concentration in entrepreneurship. Can you describe us a bit, a bit more in terms of the particular course or particular project that you were assigned to um, uh, on entrepreneurship, and how that has benefited you into becoming the serial entrepreneur uh, that you are also today? So. 
I come from a family that is mostly uh, salary work, salary men, right? I mean, my parents were were teachers, and and they advocate that you know the best way for you to 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 make a living is to work for someone, right? Mm. But we all know that you know businesses, countries, and companies grow because people are able to to take the necessary calculated risk to actually add value into that. And I didn't know how to do that. And I, was, I wasn't that, uh, at early on, I wasn't that confident to just, just do it, to just, to just uh, start a business and so forth. Right? And I need some form of a guide or a background how to do it. And, and through the University of Nottingham's uh, entrepreneurship program, they teach from the uh, theoretical aspect the, the body of knowledge in terms of entrepreneurship, they, as well as, you know, make real simulations in terms of, of, of how entrepreneurs are, uh, are, are seeing things, right? And, you know, what sort of different decisions and elements would allow for, and for entrepreneurs to bloom or be doomed in that sense, right? They have, um, obviously, everything is in an academic setting, uh, but you know, it is the body of knowledge in the background and the know-how of people who are like-minded that mm. that makes it quite interesting. There are a couple of people who joined uh, the class who were actually from a family where you know their parents are entrepreneurs in the first place, and they actually went to be masters of entrepreneurship mm. to actually further on uh, further on the business that they have with their. Uh, parents and and these are the kind of networks and connection that I would never forget because I am a true blue person who just works uh works for an employer right mm. and um and because of these interactions because of these 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 things that I do it kind of, it changes that mindset right that that mindset of like you know if you're an employee it limits you to a certain things you can't do this you can't do a because your boss says you can't do a, right? But in the end of the day, it's all about what generates value. How can we actually generate more revenue for the company? Or how can we actually bring value to the society or the things that, 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 that we want to, uh, we want to, that we are good at, at right? So, and, and that actually changes the way I see things, right? And because of that, you know, uh, because of that, I'm still working as a salary man full time uh, with Penrose, but but uh, because of that different way of me looking to things, I was able to actually access or be be part of things that are new, that are different, that are at the cutting edge, and uh, in in the in the organization. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I'm proud about was I'm actually one of the co-founding member of Settle, the very first startup that. Patronize actually venture in. Uh, we actually build an internal startup from the ground up. And as you can see, Settle is quite a successful startup uh, by its own right, uh, having, having been the only uh, payment uh, uh, app payment system uh, that caters for petrol stations, right? So that has been actually uh, a good for me. And it actually opens opportunity. 
I mean, doing MBA, I did it for my personal knowledge and know-how and, and see how far I can push myself. But it has really transformed me to, to think differently and to be able to actually get opportunities that, that I can't even phantom or see before, before I was an engineer. I see. Full-time. So it, it sounds like there's an element of being an intrapreneur as well. Because exactly in an organization, it didn't stop you, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So exactly, and we need more entrepreneurs, right? Um, the 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 uh, the ecosystems that we have uh, are basically rewarded based on I do A, I get A, right? But businesses these days they need more people who are out of box thinkers because some of the problems that we are facing today are problems that are not solvable through linear way of thinking and 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 that's what the value of nba does right and an engineer in engineer the way we have been trained and taught we are being trained and taught to think linearly right one plus one is equal to two three plus four three plus five is equal to eight but being an MBA, uh, having an MBA aspect of things, having the entrepreneurship aspect of things, you can truly see and truly make sense that one, can, one plus one may not necessarily be two. It can be three, it can be five, it can be seven, depending on how you approach things and how you are able to grab those opportunities that are most likely not seen if you are, uh, if you are just following through the line. Mm. And that, that goes to the point of being wholesome that you mentioned earlier. Exactly. So, which brings me to my next question, because the question earlier is on how you've grown as an entrepreneur. On your day-to-day role today, because you are also looking into digital transformation, organization improvement, change management, and your dimension is very big in terms of the impact that you, you give to, to the workforce. On your day-to-day um, uh, uh, working experience or interactions with people around you, how has the, the dimensions of the MBA helped you in that sense? Right. So we are, we are doing something that is truly out of this world. I am, I am actually in Nerve Center, uh, which is a unit that looks into digital transformation and not just a normal digital transformation, digital engineering transformation, right? It involves us looking into new ways of doing things, new approaches and so forth. And the, the kind of things that we want to do are revolutionary and are out of this box because we can't really afford, uh, the engineering fraternity can't really afford to just do the same thing as it does for the past 50 years, right? And, and this is where my role becomes quite important in that sense, right? I mean, to ask someone to be, to ask an engineer to be agile, for example, with the understanding from their end point aspect on what agile is all about, for example, would be difficult, right? You, a business person without any engineering know-how, trying to implement digital uh, transformation to, to a group of engineers would be almost mere impossible because this person may not understand where the engineer is coming from. The fact is, I am in this mid-ground, right? I know what the business needs. I know 
what are the requirements and what aspects that we need to transform and change in order for us to go through the next revolution, this IR 4.0. But in the same time, I coming from an engineering perspective, I know the fact as how everyone and each uh, and people are thinking about new ways of working, mm. different things that needs to experience because change is quite difficult, right? Yes. Humans are, are so bounded to doing the, the same things again and again. Change can be quite difficult to actually fathom, right? And this is where me being in this middle part are able to bridge between what's what the business needs and what the what is comfortable enough for the engineers within my organization to get themselves transformed. So so in that sense I play that unique role of being that bridge between an engineer as well as this new ways of uh, uh, new aspirations of working uh, working as well yeah does that uh, answer the question or uh, do you want to actually expand that further yeah so you're talking about being a bridge right i'm going to guess that that involves a lot of communication clarification uh, as well as conditioning into exactly. getting people's buy in yeah how, how how what's the challenge uh, that you've been facing in, in in doing that and how have you been trying to address those right so doing, for example, one of the things that we do is uh, digital analytics, right? And, you know, the, the technical aspect, the technical aspect of, of, of doing something different, something new is there, you know, it's, it's, it's just, that's it. But the, the bigger aspect of things is actually the human side of things. And, and, and business is all about humans, right? The ability for 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 us to able be able to get all these new age or new things that are being done in terms of digital analytics in terms of uh, data science and so forth and bridging that with the engineers is what we uh, we majorly do right and it requires us a bit in terms of of a bit of change management aspect a bit of capability development and speaking the language that that the the persons that we want to transform understands, right? And you're right. It's all about communication. How do we communicate the right way? Showing it, uh, showing it the right, showing how it would benefit the fraternity and organization over the long run. And um, in my role in particular, I do change management. Now, change management has always been in the realm of uh, the, the soft side of things. One innovation that I've done, and you can probably look at this uh, in, in my uh, YouTube channel, is about, uh, about how do you want to make a transformation or change management more tangible or more uh, or, or, or measurable in that sense, right? Mm. And, and when we look at this, we have, we have developed at least a framework on how that would work uh, in an organization. And engineers... Engineers being very, very uh, qualitative in nature, being able to need to measure, need to see things that have been happening so far. We developed this framework so that we'll be able to measure whether it's how effective change is happening and what kind of things or intervention that needs to 
come in place, right? And I call this the ethics change management process, right? Yes. And it's actually a short form for this uh, these items called uh, engage, uh, engage, plan, implement, uh, continuity, and sustain. And uh, there's a whole work process towards it and how we do it. But uh, so far, it's a, it has been great. Uh, we have actually uh, able to change a lot of things uh, positively and it's actually bringing value to the organization. I've actually seen the video on ah, thank you very much. your channel on this EPICS framework. And, and um, I can see how the exposure from the MBA, at least theoretically, has driven you to putting it into practice. Uh, uh, it. So, so that goes into the third section of our conversation, uh, which is not yet on the advice, but mainly on um, the challenges that you face. In, because when you were a student, a part-time student, you were basically balancing three lives, right? There's a family that you were building, there's a career that you were progressing, and then there's an MBA that you're trying to complete, right? right. What was your philosophy or what was your belief in striking a good balance between these three right most important thing do not push yourself too much because oh. you're going to burn out right so so here's the thing right my mba program my mba program uh, can be done if you are really crazy part time one year plus mm. but recommended time is about two years mm. maximum is about four years there are some MBA programs that can go up to seven years. Yeah. Yeah. The idea is, uh, number one, uh, you have to live, right? You, you don't want it to be a source where, where doing MBA is something that you will resent throughout your life. It has to be enjoyable. Plus, it's, uh, plus for me at least, I'm paying it with my own money and I want to, uh, it to be enjoyable. It's not a, for example, I have to pay back to my uh, um, to my uh, sponsor and stuff like that, right? So it's, it's, it's for me, I have to strike the balance between it has to be enjoyable, but I, I should not be able to slack thing off, things off to a point that, you know, I will never complete because there are a number of people who does MBA part-time they, they, they stretch it so much to four years, five years, and so forth. And at the end, end of the day, they did not complete the MBA. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it, two years, three years, sometimes after a while, the longer you are doing that, the, the, the less team that you are able to get, uh, to get in order to complete that, right? And for me, it's about striking the right balance. And that right balance is around two and a two, two and a half years. Right. Look at your schedules, for example. For me, choosing Nottingham was perfect in that sense, right? It is a balance of classes that you have. You get about, uh, you can get two subjects. One subject is, uh, one, uh, one subject has one class per week. So you get about two days, two, day, two days of lecture per week, right? And, it, you know, most of the lectures are, lectures are in Malaysia, so it's pretty consistent. There are some programs, for example, that, 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 that fly in all the lecturers and, you know, you have spans of, of time where there are no, no classes at all. And suddenly, within three weeks, you have like daily classes and you are like crazy with your work schedules and stuff like that. So look for an MBA MBA program that have some sort of you know 
schedule uh, schedule visibility and uh, it's it, it's fairly spread out right because yeah. having the schedule spread out and having visibility on what's coming in coming out it can help you also manage the other parts of your life which is your work and it's your family as well and it's all about juggling those uh, those those commitments as well right mm, right, right so so those who wants to consider mba uh, you have to consider what are the time frame that you are thinking of, uh, of of taking and also you have to consider what sort of what sort of commitments that you have and you have to juggle and 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 have a completion date not too long and not too short right and oh another thing one last thing uh, a lot of people does MBA because they felt that after MBA they feel that they they can have a salary increase or they can have uh, they can have a better job and so forth. Those for me are a bonus. Taking MBA should be more about lifelong learning, knowing new things, pursuing what you are passionate about, or discovering the things that that you have not discovered so that you can actually go towards your passion. If you put the motivation of going for MBA just so that you can make more money, and if you finish your MBA and you can't get that more uh, more money from that because of your career increase and so forth, you know that's that's not the right way of looking at education, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, there there are, there are many other ways to get more money uh, <laughs> than <laughs> doing education, right? Right, right, right. So, it if I can just recap our conversation so far um, at the beginning you spoke about how uh, the MBA has made you more wholesome leader um, with your background in engineering and then uh, go moving forward going into transformation and change and so forth and number two what I gather is that um, you were putting theory to practice almost on an, on an immediate basis because you focus exactly. on entrepreneurship right and then number three when we look into considerations that people should make when they want to uh, pursue further study, it's about the balance, number one. And number two, you spoke about viewing it as a lifelong learning, having that mindset instead of a cash-generating uh, endeavor, right? right. So, so, so Yazid, with, with those three points, I, I, I truly appreciate the time that you've given with us today, Yazid. Um, but... I also know um, that you are very active on YouTube, right? So right. In, closing, in closing, as it, if the listeners and our viewers today would like to know more about the stuff that you do, where can they tune in? Right. So I am very active. Thank you very much for, for highlighting that. Um, I have a channel myself, uh, that channel in YouTube called Yazid Ismail, just my name for caps are full full on uh, all connected and in that channel you are able to actually uh, hear different uh, different strategies and motivations about about how to improve your career your life as well as uh, financial advice i would say so it's a bit of a jumble of a lot of things that that uh, that, that is in my mind uh, just as a disclosure, I would have never thought of doing a YouTube channel and thinking about all these complex items and putting it in something that's presentable mm. before 
I actually went uh, through this MBA process. This, this MBA process has really changed my thought process. And, and that YouTube channel is one of those manifestations of that, right? So do visit my YouTube channel, Yazid Ismail, um, if you like what I'm saying and if you like to have more content. And, and I do hope you subscribe as well. Great. Thank you so much, uh, Yazid, for your pleasure. time today. Uh, I will put a link uh, to Yazid's channel in the description of this conversation. I tune in to every new episodes uh, that you produce. Thank you very much. For your and I've enjoyed, as I said earlier, such as the Epics Framework and more. Uh, I'm learning a lot from you as a Toastmaster. I only eat toast, bro. So, <laughs> so I really appreciate, you know, it's a learning process for me as well. With that, Yazid, Yaz, Yazid my best wishes for your, your future. We will definitely be in touch for sure. Thank you very much for having me, Ashraf. It's been a pleasure for me to be part of your podcast. Take care. Bye-bye, Yazid. Have a great day.